Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. Glad to have you with us. A big thank you to our Founders Alliance members. Thank you for your monthly support, or perhaps even now your yearly support. I think then we have a way that you can do it yearly. That's with right. your subscription. Yeah, I think you can do that uh, both as a church or as individual. Very good. Well, we're grateful for you. If you're not a part of the fam, you can go to founders.org to discover what it means to be a part of the fam. And... Uh, Uh, Also, um, thanks for those who are spreading news and continue to contact us about the Institute of Public Theology. We're delighted about Mm -hmm. what's going on as it's growing and uh, have some some key dates coming up. Yeah, we do. We've got uh, a goal for the early part of April to announce the uh, admissions project or our process so that you can actually apply to become a student at the Institute of Public Theology. And this institute's designed for pastors and church leaders, but it's open to others. And so you don't have to be a pastor or an aspiring pastor. Uh, It's open to men and women. The courses will be, or most of the courses might be some that we will not have women like preaching. We're not going to have women in the preaching courses, but uh, this is for anyone who's serious minded about the gospel. You got to be able to read. You got to be able to write and willing to do both of those. You don't have to have any kind of degree. You don't have to have any kind of certification. You know, I mean, we've got people that haven't made it through high school that have contacted us, but they are displaying the kinds of qualities that we think are essential to do this course of study. And we're saying, man, come on. We've got high school students that have asked about it. And we're saying, come on. We're just, the, the goal here is if you're willing to read and you're capable of reading carefully and you're willing to write and learn how to write, then those are prerequisites. So if you're not willing to do that or not able to do that, well then, man, we can help you remediate and maybe get on a course so you can become that way. But uh, it's been encouraging to see the response. And we've, we've got an opportunity now that a donor has said that he's willing to match any gifts that we receive to help us get the Institute off the ground through this spring. So we would welcome that if, if God has put you in a position where you can invest in this ministry and we, we see it like sending missionaries into the future. So if you can help us with that, if you go to the Institute of Public Theology.org, you can find out more information there and you can make a gift there. You can contact our offices. We can help you with that. But every dollar that you give this spring will be matched and doubled. So we we need that help. If God enables you to uh, support in that way, we would certainly welcome it. Well, today we want to get into to move or not to move, given the crazy times that we live in. There's times when society is kind of more stable and people probably stay kind of where they're at. You know, you might go through a season of, of moving if you go off to college or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally speaking, you might see less movement in a nation or in a state or in a particular community when things start to get um shifty well there's more talk about moving you know always if you have like a war you know the people are displaced and kind of thing but we're not there yet but there is civil unrest there is governmental overreach there are ideologies that are kind of spreading through uh, the christian community in the states and so people are starting to say you know, am I supposed to stay here? Should I stay here? Um, if I'm in California, mm-hmm. Portland, we have people that come here to our church um, regularly that yeah. are at least kind of peeking and thinking about, you know, should I move? And some, certainly- are, some are planning to move. Some yeah. have moved actually to come down here right. from those more repressive areas. Yeah. And so we're not going to be able to kind of, you know, be the voice of God in your life and tell you if you should move or not. But we want to talk about some of the principles that are involved, except for 
Seal Dezeal, our friend Seal Dezeal, who's <laughs> he only, must move. he needs to move here. He keeps putting these cooking videos on Twitter. This man is a chef. And I told him it is a prophetic voice to him that he must move south. That's right. And it may be some prophetic voices for some of the others of you, too, once we learn about what your particular skill sets are. But we yes. know it's true for Seal Scott Dezeal. Scott Hunt needs to come. Without, without a doubt. But it's fascinating. And I've had this conversation with uh, guys more in the last six to nine months than I have probably in the previous 10 years of my life. The First Baptist Church of Charleston, South Carolina was actually started in Kittery, Maine. I think it was in 1686, I believe, is when the, the church was founded in Kittery. And then they moved in mass in like a decade later down to Charleston because of the Indian wars and because of the uh, timber industry, some other things. But I think it was like 28 members moved with William Screbin down to Charleston and the, the church moved. So it was, you know, the, basically the church from there moved down south to Charleston. And I've just learned about a, another a similar thing like that happening from California, where a pastor and 20 members of the church he served in California have come to the conclusion that they just can't live there any longer. Uh, some of them lost businesses and having other difficulties. So they've moved to a small town in Texas, and they are uh, planting a church there. And man, we've heard horror stories. I mean, I, I've wept over a couple of the stories that I've heard from people in California and in Oregon. Uh, one in California that lost everything generationally. I mean, they'd been in business for generations in their family and were wiped out because of the government overreach during the, the COVID pandemic of 2020 and just shut down. They lost it all. And it's grievous. And then yeah. you, you see what uh, some of the states are doing to churches like California and the fines that have been racked up by pastors and churches who've said, no, before God, we've got to continue to meet together and worship. Uh, this becomes a real question. And again, we've entertained it, man. I've, I'm sure you have. I know I've had uh, at least five conversations in the last two or three months with people who are seriously looking at moving down here to get out of more repressive circumstances, different places, United States and Canada. Yeah, I think I think back to uh, the Benedict Option by Dreer. Right. Mm -hmm. He kind of emphasized, given what's going on, kind of getting to more <laughs> local communities, building local community, building local church, building local um, um civil realities in a city or in a county. And I think, you know, while there were things I would tweak about uh, his book, The Benedict Option, the idea of local is going to be more and more important. Mm -hmm. The idea of a uh, kind of lesser magistrate and, you know, sheriffs standing up and saying, well, that's not, not going to happen here. States standing up, it's not going to happen here. And, um, and so this is something that's on people's mind. And it's interesting when you come to a decision about to move, there's a lot of, um, wisdom involved and there's a lot of understanding of even kind of, you know, what your hopes and dreams are, mm. what your, what your vision is for your own life. You know, we always want to, we all want to be useful for Christ and his kingdom and, uh, for family and then for community of Christians that you're a part of. Right. So one thing to remember is that it's not all defensive measures. So there are defensive measures. You go, I mean, the tyranny has just reached the point, well, I'm out of here. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't operate. So it's in a defensive way, I'm going to go somewhere. But as soon as you go, you're thinking not just defensive, you're thinking offensive. 
where should I go mm-hmm. and, and to what people should I join myself? And so right away, you're starting to say you, you want to go to people that are thinking rightly. You want to go to Christians that, um, that are strong in his word. You mm-hmm. want to find a church that is solid. Um, and you want to find people that are not uh, kind of sword in the trowel, right? They're, they're not just sword, but they're also building something. I mean, they're going to be a clear sword. We're not going to have defensive things here. What's the state or the county that I could go to that's going to have a lot of freedoms and going to have the kind of leadership? that would provide those freedoms, hopefully for an extended period of time. But also where are people that are, that are building something, that are laboring um, against the very uh, work that the other people are building that, are, that is a form of tyranny? Yeah, and, and so the, the mindset and the commitments need to be the same. Doesn't matter whether you stay or go. If you stay where you are, if you go somewhere, you need to be thinking Christianly about, okay, how do I live well in God's world? What is my responsibility? Well, you have a commission. God's given it to you. You're to go in the world, make disciples. You have responsibility responsibilities to live under his authority and to make Jesus Christ known. And if you're living in a repressive situation, that's your duty. You need to figure out the best way to do that there. Don't just become completely defensive and pull the covers up over your head and hope when you wake up, all will be better. No, you need to work while you can there. And that's going to perhaps be different with different consequences immediately than if you go and start building somewhere where you have greater freedom. And and this has been the challenge for Christians throughout history. I mean, this is in Jerusalem. That's why the Christians spread was because of the persecution that took place in Acts chapter eight that's recorded there. That's why this nation was founded the way that it was founded by those Puritans that came over seeking the opportunity to worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience as it was enlightened by scripture. And so that, that needs to be principle. But man, uh, the, the idea of moving, don't move just to get out of a bad situation. Move for a positive reason to be able to seek to honor the Lord diligently with your gifts and your energies while he gives you strength where you go. And this is a principle of life. I mean, this applies way beyond the context that we're facing right here in the uh, 2021. I've had for years people contact me and say, man, you know, we got kids. We want to know where to send them to college. And, you know, what about this college? What about this college? What college do you recommend? And my stock answer for decades has been find a good church that has a college near it and go there build your life around the church. So a principle, a a fundamental principle is find a healthy church, build your life around it. You know, it's not unusual in our day to hear people pick up and move across the country or move to different places in the world for a job. I've got friends that got some lucrative, uh, financially lucrative jobs over in the Middle East. And so they've gone and done that for you know a season of time to, to make uh, a lot of money. And God bless that. And that, I, don't, I think that's okay. I've had people that have moved to different places to go to school. That's okay. I, I think even more important than that, is move to a healthy church. Mm-hmm. Find a biblically healthy church and get yourself and your family grounded in it. Build your life around it. And I'm not talking about just attend or just become a member. I'm talking about build your life around it so that you can experience the kind of discipleship and sanctification that God has designed for Christians in community with other believers covenanted together in a local church. Yeah, church is first priority. So when you're thinking about this, there, you know, some of this is the wisdom to even be able to scale priorities and my and and bind your mind and your heart to them. You know, there are multiple things involved. It's not just one category. Uh, there are multiple things to think through, but those things come in, in priorities and church in, in my book is number one. Absolutely. I think this is revealed to us like in what a church is 
uh, the word of God being preached, the corporate worship of assembling yourself and your family at a congregation, it has to be the top priority. So wherever you're at, and you could be in a very oppressive area, you could be, um, you know, in one that's just warming up, you could be in a middle situation, but you're thinking, okay, what church do you currently go to if you do go to one, or mm. if you're recently saved and you're not even a part of a church, you start to think, okay, where, where can I find a church that is preaching God's words, holds to the authority and inerrancy sufficiency of scripture that preaches Christ crucified, Jesus Christ, son of God, son of man, lived, died, rose again for us. There's a centrality there. Um, a church that understands membership, what it means to actually formally be a part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, it's not kind of this come and see and people drift away, but you have, you have pastors and leaders, elders at these churches that are actually shepherding the flock of God, that they are assembling uh, regularly for corporate worship. And then, uh, you know, from that, especially given the cultural shifts, you want pastors that, that do understand the times that get right. some of this, you know, we wrote this book, strong and courageous, and we were burdened for what we see as a new religion forming. And I think there are, um, there, there are kind of, there are good conservative churches that somehow have, are, have been blind to what's going on in the world. Yeah. And they're actually ideologies are coming in, in a strange way, right? Yeah. They might still hold to uh, certain very important truths. And I would still call them conservative churches, but they're not, um, they're not aware of what's happening. And I don't know that they're going to be able, unless they catch some, some of the things that are happening, it's like, it's going to be hard for them to lead. They're going to become, make maybe poor decisions. Um, I think with what's going on in Alberta is a good example of that. I mean, yeah. there, here's a church that's founded upon God's word and they understand the Lordship of Christ in a way that they said, we're going to continue to meet. Um, uh, I, I know there are other good churches, um, that are conservative that hold the Bible that believe all of the same doctrines, but there's a misunderstanding of this Lordship of Christ. And so they're like, well, we're not going to meet because the yeah. government told us not to meet. And that's actually harming their churches even though they're holding to some really important things. And so there, there's a fuller doctrine, Lordship of Christ doctrine primarily <laughs> and others that I, I would encourage you to look around and try to get a feel for that as you're thinking of, if I am going to be making a move, if right. I need to move, that's one thing you're looking about in a healthy church. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, by what standard, strong and courageous, both of those books will help uh, you to, to develop some filters in thinking through those issues because you know, sadly, I mean, there are, there's some really good guys. There's some really good churches, churches that, that have been uh, solid on the essentials that you just outlined, but they're not aware or they, they haven't been thinking carefully enough about what's going on in our culture. And it's going to be, they're going to be undermined. I'm, I hear this all the time. Now I get contacted from pastors and from church members, church leaders saying, you know, man, we don't know what's going on. But now some of our members are reading Ibram Kendi and they're being led astray and they're telling us we got to do this. We got to do that. We don't know what to do about it. But then you got other churches who will sign our confessions and they'll say, Oh no, we believe all these things, but they have actually embraced this movement. And they think that to be loving, they've got to do X, Y, Z, according to the ideologies of the day, according to intersectionality and critical theory. And quite honestly, they, they're not trustworthy. And I would tell anyone, stay away from such a church as that that says, oh, no, uh, we think critical race theory is a helpful analytical tool. We think intersectionality is a helpful analytical tool. Uh, those churches, I fear for them, and I, I'm happy to talk to their leadership and the guys we disagree with on this, and we've had some of those conversations, but I'm not even close to being moved by the arguments that I've heard from them. And I can't underscore enough how pastoral this is going to be what I see in the in the coming years we're not just talking about 
identify an ideology that's first you need to see it but then it's the impact of that ideology upon your people which is like everything pastoral i mean what are you going to do you you want to go to a church that say you are falsely charged with something 20 years ago that you did something like somebody charges you present day with something you did 20 years ago that's right and the me too movement is putting all kinds of pressure and heat does the leadership of that church have a theology that is ready to stand with you before civil magistrates and support you? Or are, is there a thinking that goes, well, you know, this is something outside of our purview. We're just going to keep preaching the gospel. And we're so sorry that he's going through that. You know, we're so sorry yeah. that his, we're bus- not experts. We're so sorry that his business is getting shut down. We're so sorry that he can't travel anywhere because of the COVID vaccine or he, cause he objects to it. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry that the pastor next to me got arrested and he's put in prison like up in Alberta, but that's not, if that impulse is in the church, even if they are hold to one of the best confessions there are, then something's missing there yeah. that they need to pay more attention to that confession and more attention to the doctrine. And, but that's something that you, you really do need to think about in the cultural shift about what a healthy church looks like. Absolutely. And you know, we got, we got miles to go in our church. God's been so kind to us here, but man, we, we've had a lot of work to do. We wouldn't hold ourselves up as the example that everybody ought to follow. Uh, God's given us grace to see some of these issues and to start trying to plow through them. But I think about the, what's, now just almost common knowledge among certain churches in the evangelical world and reformed in the evangelical world that holds up cultural and ethnic diversity as a, a premier uh, reality, something if you don't have that, then the church on earth isn't looking like the church in heaven. And so diversity becomes the goal and the agenda. And you basically do whatever you got to do to have this expression of diversity, culturally, ethnically, uh, racially. You know, they want that. And if you don't have that, then you're suspect. Well, uh, good night. There's so many things wrong with that. I mean, you just go to some place where there's not cultural diversity and you plant a church and then you feel guilty because you don't have cultural diversity. And all these churches that are parading and priding themselves in cultural and ethnic diversity, uh, if I were had had the opportunity to have a conversation with them, I could show them how they're not nearly as diverse as they think they are. You know, they probably don't have any Ethiopians. They probably don't have uh, any people from uh, Middle Eastern countries that are part of their church. What about that? Are those folks not going to be in heaven? In the church in heaven, looking like that too? So I mean, it's just a wrong-headed way of thinking. But with that. I mean, I look at our church. Here we are in South Florida, and so we've got a, a large Latino community in uh, South Florida, and our congregation and our leadership reflects. In fact, it's more diverse, I think, than is actually reflected in our community. And it's not because we've made diversity a priority. And we said, "Oh, we got to have so many blacks. We got to have so many Latinos. We got to have so many Syrians, so many whites, or whatever." We just hadn't done that. We've tried to be faithful to the text, and God's done it, and praise God. And if he hadn't done it, praise God. But we're not going to try to impose that as something that is more significant than what God has revealed in his word that a church is to be or do. So that's another issue, man. Look for that. Guard against that. And don't buy into this sense of, oh, yeah, because we prize this, because we say we've got to operate like this. Look at our church. We're like the church in heaven, uh, how diverse we are. Uh, that's a danger sign. Uh, when you're thinking about where to move or if you need to move, uh, church is going to be number one priority. Uh, beyond that is kind of children and even extended family. I think your children 
you know, what's going to be a good place for them? What's going to be a, um, a good place for their uh, growth, for their maturity, for their education? So um, the number of people that I'm talking to is they're thinking about where to move their kids. There's usually conversations about, hey, what? tell me about the, what the classical Christian school looks like, you know, because um, back in the day, not too long ago, public education uh, was different than what it is now. And, mm-hmm. you know, so many people are saying, look, we, this isn't going to work. We're not going to be able to uh, continue down that road. And then, of course, you have homeschooling. Is there a good homeschooling community there? Um, but a vision for I want to go to a place. I mean, my primary duty is love, love wife. If you're a wife and you love your husband and you raise your children, both of you in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that should have a high priority when you're thinking about where you're going to go. And then family, you know, the family ties with everything breaking down and being fragmented is more like, where is my father? Where is my mother? Where mm-hmm. are my grandparents? Where are my, where's my siblings and my nephews and nieces? And that is uh, far more of a bond than often our kind of in our individualistic American uh, society. We think yeah. that, that that weighs, Ken, it's not number one. Um, and I don't think it's even number two. There's a, there's a nuclear family idea that's, that's strong, but I want to be a blessing to these extended family. And if there's a way to do yeah. that while keeping the other priorities straight, um, I think that's another thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about where to go. Yeah. And it is a matter of priorities and you think through those priorities. And so, you know, as a head of a household and you're responsible for, uh, your wife, your children, or if you're, uh, a single parent, you're responsible for your children. How can you best shepherd them? How can you best provide for them? And you, you, church, find a healthy church, build your life around it. And if the you can do that in your local community, you can do that in a place that's not too far off, man, amen. You know, praise God, do that. But if it requires you to pick up and move, uh, that's fundamental. That that's That's number one. The beyond that, your other connections, your other relationships, yes, those are important too. So serve those the best you can. But before God, recognize that beyond your physical needs, beyond uh, your uh, financial needs, you have spiritual needs. And those under your authority whom you're responsible for have spiritual needs. And if you provide them everything every advantage that you can physically, financially in this world and their souls are neglected, you know, well, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Mm-hmm. Vocation is certainly there and, and must be, especially as a, if you're the head of the household and you're provided for that household and, you know, you're out in a place and they're starting to have the HR department tell you that you're going to have to start using the bathroom with people that are from different sex and all this. You say, well, I've got to think through what that's going to look like vocationally yeah. and provision for family, especially to husbands and fathers. I encourage um entrepreneurship you know you really, now is the time to to labor and to work and to not just think you know who's hiring and where are their jobs but thinking where is their work to be done that yeah. we need to do and it, it, re- it really is an active thing and even broader than just vocation right now um think think about the opportunities that are now um there because of the cultural shift that's happening mm-hmm. so one of this is you, you've got to look at like um, doors being closed. And there are a lot of doors being closed through tyrannical government and through um, other kind of churches that are suffering. And in that sense, good theology and uh, opportunities for public worship are being closed. There's no churches around here kind of idea. 
So in many ways, doors are being closed, but there's also, when there is shift, there's great opportunity. And sometimes we can just get very pessimistic and think, well, I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this, but what are the things that you can do? Mm -hmm. What are the, what are the doorways that are opened? And, um, that means, you know, we've said in the past, burden of proof is on the move. And I still have that conservative, um, tendency. I do think the burden of proof is on the move because it's just so easy for people to get disgruntled and people to be selfish and to think the grass is greener on the other side. So all of that still plays but it we are in a unique moment we're in a moment where it could be if i see the signs of the times i like i see where our culture's going and we need to get to building like we need to get mm-hmm. to you know california didn't get there overnight there were people that were working really hard to make california what it is right that's right <laughs> there are people making really hard to make portland what it is and then you look around and there's actually a lot of christians you go oh the christians haven't been working hard that's that's we got to own this. Like yeah. we, we haven't been um, thinking about gathering for worship and then going out and doing good in, in the community. And uh, even the places that are conservative, like the South and even place where I grew up, you still have the residue of the, of the generation that did that, but it's, they've lost something <laughs> downstream. So like you're, it's still there, but you see, there's actually not anybody that's really thinking this way, robustly Christian and living. You want to find a place that's like that. I want to find some people that are thinking entrepreneurially, that are thinking, oh, yeah, you know, the schools aren't going to do it. We're going to start one. Oh, yeah, that vocation is not going to do it. I'm going to start one. I've I've talked to one of our guys who had his HR department tell him that. And they said, basically, you're going to have to start, you know, calling this guy, you know, for like five years. You're going to have to call him a her. And he's like, I don't think I can do it. I said, yeah, I don't think you can either. I mean, and there's a whole world there. We can get in the ethics of it, but that's straight enough. And yeah. I told him, I said, I don't think that other people that work for your business are going to want to do the kind of things that are coming down the pipe. And so there's an opportunity, yeah. right? So we, we need to be thinking like that as you're thinking about whether to move or not. And, you know, we're doing this Wheel the Sword project and uh, we've got a new episode coming out imminently, Rod Martin on vocation. And it is dynamite. It is dynamite. And Rod talks about this very very thing. And man, I, I, I want Christians to start opening up to the idea of, man, I can start something. One of the things that 2020 showed us is that you can do things remotely from your home that many people thought couldn't happen. And I, I just want to encourage if, if you've had to work from home over the last many months, what is it that you're doing? Could you do it differently than you're doing it now? Could you do it out from under the umbrella of the company that you're working for that is bringing in all of these agendas that are going to make you do things contrary to your Christian conscience? Uh, we we need, need an explosion of Christian entrepreneurship. And I think if you'll watch the Wield the Sword episode with Rod Martin on vocation, I think you'll you'll be fired up to at least start going down that road and pray and asking God, what can I do? What have you invested in me? How can I take the skills, the gifts, the opportunities that you have placed in my life and begin to work diligently for your kingdom, for your glory, entrepreneurially that will provide for my family, for my welfare here in this world. Yeah. Loving people. That's what it is. It is. Finding, finding the problems and fixing the problems for people, loving, yeah. loving them, uh, through your work. And, and then especially for young men, I think, um, you know, we, we've, they've been raised in a safety heavy environment, yeah. you know? And so don't be foolish, but 
take some risks. You're yeah, going to yeah, have yeah. to take some risks. You know, we had a, we had a, uh, we had old tree cutter here recently at our church, uh, traveling in from out of state and, uh, not a tree hugger, but a tree <laughs> cutter. And, uh, you know, it, that can be a very uh, loving thing to do when you are climbing very, very tall trees that nobody wants to climb. And it's quite risky. It can be a quite lucrative mm-hmm. uh, business and it's tangibly loving people that want the tree gone. And if you've ever been in that situation, you're like, I can't do it. And I don't know anybody that can. And so here's a guy that's risking in a very tangible way and he's exercising some dominion, you yeah, know, yeah. and there's applications for that. Maybe I'm not saying you have to go climb some big tall tree and cut it down, but this is, this is, you know, you were made to work. You were made to bless people. And right now, if you look at the landscape, look at what you're doing, continue, you know, you might just need to stay steadfast right where you're at, uh, but it could be like, okay, where's the problem and where's an opportunity and some freedom to actually get after it mm-hmm. and be willing to, uh, to do good. You know, I love these stories and, and I would encourage, especially younger folks to, to find them and read them, but like Colonel Sanders and others who failed, you know, who tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed, and then boom, they succeeded. And so the, the, the willingness to take the risk you know, willingness to fail. So you, you go hard, you give it your all and it doesn't work. Okay. You learn the lessons from what didn't work and you get up and you try again and just realize you're doing this for the glory of God. And he's the one who gives the increase. He's the one who's ultimately going to prosper the work of your hands. So you're always praying. You're looking, you're not doing this selfishly. You're not doing this just to find a lucrative career for yourself, but no, you're thinking about God's kingdom. You're thinking about God's glory. I've challenged guys through, through the years and in different times, uh, who were looking to start businesses. I said, look, and they said, but we just don't know, man, it looks, you know, really, really risky. So why not do this? You know, why not just say, Lord, we want to start this business for your glory. And to the degree you prosper us, we're going to take 25%. One company I said, take 50% and invest it in the kingdom. So there it is. I mean, your profits, you're just saying, Lord, here's an opportunity. You want to have money go into your kingdom. We are from the outset. We're going to build this into the degree that you prosper us. This money is going to go into the advance of the gospel in your world. And if it works, praise God. If it doesn't, well, you praise God, you get up and you start over. We need that kind of entrepreneurial spirit in the church of Jesus Christ today. And as, as you mentioned, man, we got a world of opportunities in front of us. Every time there is difficulty, our tendency tends to be, you know, we got to hunker down and try to just hang on. But every difficulty presents opportunities. And so look for the opportunities and talk about it. Get together, man. Watch Rod Martin. He will inspire you to begin to think entrepreneurially and seek to build for the uh, opportunity to see the gospel advanced. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. May the Lord give you wisdom as you consider the steps that are in front of you. Indeed, he is the one who directs our paths. Amen.